This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High-quality information. Because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com Okay, back here in studio, Juno studio with uh, Senator Rob Myers. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Jeff. Second appearance on the podcast. Yeah, been a little while. Kind of kind of missed it last year. Uh, see if we can make this a yearly thing. First time was I uh, was in my old little Meba building, but I've since upgraded to my junior suite here. Yeah, you got a pretty decent setup. You know, it's a little bit uh, more build, wired. The building right there, they've turned, they've given that to the legislature. They're gonna make oh. that make that to uh, apartments, right, or housing? Yeah, yeah, the assembly building there. I don't know. I'm kind of wondering after they finish the reno, how many people are actually going to want to live there? You know, whether it's going to turn into you know, mostly legislators, mostly staff. I mean, who, who knows? It's going to be like Animal House. <laughs> you know, I, I've talked to a couple of people about that that concept of, of, you know, having a lot of legislators living in there. And they're like, no, we already kind of spy on each other when we're on our offices. Why would we want them to spy on each other? when? I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's ripe for reality TV. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Big Brother Juno edition going on. Maybe they could do like another pay increase where we'll pay you, like the 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 producers will pay them like a hundred grand for you know full access cameras, you know, no privacy. I'm not taking it. No, thank you. Sorry. For a hundred grand, you wouldn't do like a Big Brother type for one session. Uh, no, no, I I don't think so. This this place is enough of a fishbowl. I, I need to maintain <laughs> a little bit of privacy, maintain my own sanity, if nothing else. Okay, so we I mentioned the pay raiser. I was joking, but I, I do want to talk about that. You gave a special order yesterday. yesterday or, yeah, it was a Wednesday mm-hmm. on the pay raise deal. We'll talk a little bit about that. But mm-hmm. first, I want to talk about uh, there's a Senate, 20 members. There's a majority of 17, mm-hmm. and that kind of formed after Thanksgiving. And you know, last time it didn't form until the the day before session because. Mm-hmm maybe the day of session because of this dividend, you know, issue, uh-huh. which I know you feel very strongly about, uh-huh. but, but now it's kind of gone the other way because last, the last two years or even four years, the majority existed, but it was really kind of reliant on some of the Democrats in the minority uh-huh. to pass uh-huh. like the budget and some of these other, other things. So now it's just this huge majority, but you, I was told you were offered to be in it. I was. Yep. Uh, so they could have had 18 instead of seven, which even, 15 is kind of the number. That's the magic number with three quarter. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Once you, once you've got 15, you basically got keys to the house. You can do anything you want. Um, but no, so the, uh, the election was, what was it? The eighth, I think November 8th. And, yep. and then, uh, you know, morning after the election, you know, kind of post election hangover after going to the, you know, the parties afterwards and stuff, you know, some waking up a little bit late, kind of, you know, uh, you know, eat some breakfast and, and things like that. And I get a phone call and uh, said, hey, we're putting together a majority here. Are you uh, are, are you interested in being in? And I said, oh, okay, so what's going on? And was, this, was this basically what exists now, this kind of big majority? It wasn't specified. It wasn't specified yet. And and uh, it wasn't specified if it was going to be bipartisan, wasn't specified on, on much of anything else. You know, I was kind of looking through who uh, was ahead in the different races and, because at that point there was, um, the Geisel race was unknown because mm-hmm. there was a, the three, they all had a third. Right. That was the ranked choice. Um, 
There was one more. I think Dunbar was basically there, but he wasn't quite there. I, I mean, he was close enough that you knew that he was going to pull it up, that he was going to be the, the top dog once the, the calculations were done. I feel like there was one more. Wasn't there one more Senate race where it was kind of like, oh, the Tuckerman Babcock. Mm. Like, like, like Bjorkman was up, but it was not, it was like 45 or 46. So yeah. it wasn't kind of a lot. It was pretty clear. Tuckerman even, I think, kind of conceded after a few days. But, but still, there was some question on, on definitely the Geisel race because that was so bizarre. They all had like a third. Yeah. And it was, it was really, it was still really close at that point with the, uh, the Clayman Costello race, too. Um, yes. That, yeah. That was the heads up, but it was still within like a percent or a few percent. Right. Right. I mean, you kind of looked at it and said, well, you know, as a general rule, the absentees tend to, break Democrat. So, I mean, you kind of had an idea of what was going to happen there, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a for sure thing yet. But I mean, you, you look at the, at, at the, the numbers at that time and you could kind of get a feel for kind of what was going to happen. And it's like, oh, okay, the Senate shifted, you know, a little more centrist or a little bit more left, depending on your perspective. And, um, you know, I got the phone call and I said, well, you know, they said, well, are you interested? And, and I said, well, what's, what's, what's going on? What's the plan? And they said, well, here's the deal. It's going to be, uh, going to be based on a binding caucus. And I was actually told outright that, um, shower and Hughes were going to be excluded. And I'm going, Hmm. Okay. But could you, could you, could you blame them? <laughs> I, because, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I know them and actually I haven't seen, I was just joking. I just, I forgot Mike Shower was a Senator until, Wednesday when I saw the E on the board because <laughs> the guy, I've seen him, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. making this up, I've seen, I've seen the guy three times mm-hmm. the whole session, so I don't know what he's up to, but but it got very difficult within that majority, and you were part of that old majority, mm-hmm. on, you know, how we're going to vote, and then we saw, without this kind of rule on voting for the budget, having a, an agreement, mm-hmm. they, they, they ran up the budget, you know, a billion dollars mm-hmm. uh, on the floor, which is... Which is for somebody who wants to be, fisc- you know, fiscally conservative, mm-hmm. it's like the opposite. I mean, the spending goes up. Mm-hmm. No, I, I understand. You know, I, I and I understand. I mean, there's a lot of history there. Um, you know, with with those two, with with some of the other longstanding members and stuff. And you know, there's a there's a lot of personal history and stuff involved there. And um, I think you know, policy is part of it. But I think some of the the because several of them told me they were like, yeah, we want we want we want Myers to be in it. You know, and, and I got down here after the thing was over, or, you know, after we, uh, uh, you know, this January, I got down here and, and people said, uh, you know, they still offer me. I'm like, nope, I'm out. And uh, so your, your aversion is if you have to vote for the budget, you might mm-hmm. not want to vote. But I mean, at this point, I guess I'm just, from my perspe- perspective, um, it's going to pass anyway. I mean, they have, <laughs> they have eight, they have 17. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's really, because cause you would get, I mean, I, they probably would give you a chair of a committee because you were you were transportation chair last mm-hmm. time, so right. I assume they probably give you that, probably. And I put you know would have added up with a couple of other committee assignments and stuff. But you know, I just kind of looked at at who was going to be in it, and I, I looked at you know, all right, here's what you know the budget's probably going to do. Here's what they're probably going to do with the dividend. Here's what they're probably going to do with a couple of other things. And I said, okay, so here's my options here. I can either have a, you know, I can either join and have a seat at the table and know that I'm going to get overruled and ignored uh, within the caucus, or I can stand outside and say, I'm not part of this. I'm not going to be enabling this. And I can, uh, you know, still get ignored. I can, you know, make some nice speeches on the floor, but um, you know, the, in my head, by well, the, and the, large, the, the, the result would be the same, the, but. I mean, they, they did, they did as a, as a nice gesture. I guess they did put you on transportation. So mm-hmm. 
like you're the only one out of the three shower you and Hughes mm-hmm. who has a standing committee as- assignment. Right, right. Now we were told back oh shortly after Thanksgiving, you know, a week or two after the um, after the initial announcement of, of the majority forming, the, of the three of us were told we were each going to get one standing committee assignment, which is what they had done uh, a decade ago. The last time we had a super minority. Um, because under the previous coalition, uh, for about four years, which there, which your your old your old uh, opponent Coghill was in that minority, he, and Kathy Giesel for a time was in was, that. My uh, my predecessor was the uh, um, he was the minority leader there for a while. That's when they had four. I think they had four. Correct. Yeah. And and, and to be recognized by the rules, you have to have in the Senate five. Correct. Yes. So one one, one card short of a full deck. <laughs> so that's one way to put it. Um, but, you know, back then they, they gave them, you know, basically the rules say you don't have to give, give minority members squat if there's, if there's less than five. Yeah, they don't have to give staff, don't have to be given committee assignments. They right. could just literally say just you're here. Not, not even an office, actually. Right, basically. And so, you know, we got, you know, we got told, you know, that at first that we were going to get something close to the deal that was back then, which was you'll each get one committee assignment. Um, there was talk about giving us like a press secretary um, that was kind of up in the air. We were told pretty much outright we weren't going to get the minority leader position on the floor, which they had back, you know, back in 2010. Um, and so like, oh, okay, all right. And they said, oh, okay, well, yeah, you'll get, I, you'll I, get I, two staff. Okay, I, all right. I kind of noticed that when I was on the, right after session started, I was on the website, the AK Legend. There was a little blank spot for the Senate Minority Leader, and I was like, "Oh boy, oh no!" <laughs> right, yeah, and then you know, you notice the same thing on the floor. You know, usually where the Minority Leader sits, you know, Bill Bilikowski is sitting there as the Rules Chair instead, mm-hmm. and you know, we'll have to. It hasn't really made much of a difference up to this point in time, but we'll see what happens as we get into more bills coming across the floor and stuff. If he, you know, how how that role plays out, how they're going to uh, maneuver that. But anyway. So they told us that, you know, back in early December, what we were going to get. We're like, okay, all right. Well, it's going to, it's not going to be fun, but at least, you know, it's not, sounds like they're being at least somewhat charitable. And then we get down here and then we find out what's, who's going to be on what committees and things like that. I don't want to brag here, but I I did finally, somebody finally leaked me the committee report (laughs) before it got out. And and, and I I noted, noted you were the only one on the Mm -hmm. standing, standing committee. Right, and actually... And, and they give you... You have two staff, too, so they give you correct. points for staff. Right, right. Yeah, all three of us have, have two staff apiece, and um, yeah, actually, your tweet about the committee report was the first I heard of what they were doing as well, and so we're looking around at each other going, what the heck's going on here? Um, and so, I mean, it is what it is. We're, you know, with the just the three of us, the rules don't give us any standing to do much of anything. Or, you know, after an election, fortunes can change around here very quickly. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, Shower was state affairs chair, and Hughes was majority leader. Mm-hmm. You were transportation, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just, and it's interesting because in 2012, there, there was, um, before that, mm-hmm. before that election, there was basically this coalition, uh, bipartisan coalition. It was 15 or 16. I think it was 16. Um, but it was there for a while. I mean, it was there for many years and then there was a big election. There was redistricting, Mm -hmm. uh, and then it changed and went to the Republican deal with Lyman Hoffman. Mm -hmm. And and then now it's like 10 years. So, so these things do shift. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nothing in politics is, is, uh, is is um, permanent. And I ran in 2012, and I was a very different person back then. I was running <laughs> against Liesl McGuire. I was young, and I was kind of hooked up with some people. But I ran against I ran against the coalition. Okay, okay. I ran against Liesl, who was in the coalition, Liesl McGuire, and she was. Right. But she was also kind of at the time running against the coalition. It was weird. <laughs> 
because because Kevin Meyer was in the coalition, right? And and but then they were kind of like, well, we're Republicans too, so let's try to. It was kind of awkward for them. I mean, I didn't know a lot of the the the, the kind of that 2012 era. I was kind of out of politics a, a little bit. You know, I was when I was getting really heavy into my job, into my career. I'd gotten married the year before. We had our first kid in 2012 and stuff. So I was kind of on the outside looking in on politics. I wasn't following it that closely. Kind of what I found out about it afterwards was that in 2012, like a lot of the redistricting and some things like that was people were really heavily targeting that coalition. Oh, that was the whole, I mean, there was a whole guy, uh, actually Tyson Gallagher's dad, Jerry Gallagher was, Mm -hmm. he was like the guy that was, there was a good, Beat the coalition fund, right, right. And there was a yeah. Joe Thomas, Joe Pascavan situation. Fairbanks was part of part mm-hmm. of that, and mm-hmm. then there was there was um you know there there was a big push in some of these. There was they were going after Wilikowski. He, he survived, but there was mm-hmm. some other targets of you know get, getting these. They called them like you know coalition members, and sure, and it did it did end up you know I think they picked up who was that? It was somebody from Fairbanks? Because I think Pascavan and Thomas got put together. Um, no, if I remember right, so maybe Coghill got put into Coghill yes. got paired with with Pascavan or Thomas. Coghill got paired with Pascavan, and so Coghill, uh, or no, excuse me, Coghill got paired with Joe Thomas, and then Hollis Hollis French got paired too. So Hollis French got got defeated mm-hmm. too. So there, there were, yeah, it was a big. It was just like this time. Now this time, it kind of went the other way. They were saying right. let's, let's try to get a, a not Republican majority, and then they got that open seat in Anchorage, which Dun- mm-hmm. Dunbar ended up winning. So they. Right. They went from seven to eight kind of safe and then claiming right. one to that's nine. Right, right. So they pick up two seats, Democrats, and before it was so fragile that one seat could have essentially flipped it one way or the other. Right. Yeah. I mean you I mean, you look at kind of how things have gone in this state in the last few years and you know, you the way that the Senate's worked out the last what, two, four legislators, something like that, you know, you kind of have have had three groups. You know, you've got the conservative Republicans, the moderate Republicans, and the, the Democrats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it's which which <laughs> to, to get to eleven, two of them have to work together, and it ended up being the moderate types and then the Democrats. Right. Yeah. And and you know exactly how that has worked out. You know, varied slightly after each election based on on numbers. But you know that's kind of been the dynamic for six or eight years now. Um, and you're right. You know, you know nothing in politics is forever. I mean, you can you know. One day you can get kicked out of the majority caucus, and the next day you can get elected governor too. So I mean, you know, a little yeah, bit of everything no, can happen. That's Dunleavy. I mean, that's right. Yeah. So you know, hey, fortunes change around here, and they can change on a dime sometimes. So so now you're down here, and you have this one committee, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's I assume it's way different than the last two years. It's a it's a little bit different. Um, transportation is a weird committee because everybody assumes that, oh, transportation is a huge issue in Alaska. It's a big deal. So it's, it's actually kind of a big committee. I'm like, well, no, that's not actually how it works because transportation is a big deal in terms of like funding, but all of that goes through the finance committee. Very little of it actually actually mm-hmm. goes to, to the transportation committee. itself. Well, and that's what I was trying to, I don't know if you saw um, last week, I did an article, Jamie Allard kind of lost it on the education committee and mm-hmm. was grilling these women. And it got really, they had kind of cut the meeting off. It kind of went off the rails, but she was really pressing them on the finance stuff. And she was mm-hmm. talking, we're going to bring an economist in. And I was talking to somebody and, and those committees can look at finance. I mean, the right. chairs can do whatever they want, but, but the way it's you know really supposed to work is the education committee's policy on education. The transportation committee's mm-hmm. kind of policy on transportation. They have subcommittees that look at these things and, the finance committee itself. Now, now they can look at the budgets and they can look at the finances, mm-hmm. but um, 
that's not not really how it's supposed to work. Yeah, yeah, it's not usually how it works. I mean, you you can if you as a as a committee chair if you hear about something egregious, you know, I can I can definitely see hearing you know having some sort of a hearing on on something uh, major happening in the finances, but it's not like the transportation committee is dealing with the transportation budget. Yeah, well, the, on a yearly the, basis, the, there's the finance. Transportation subcommittee, right, and then there's the full committee, and then there's you know whether it's maybe on the floor or if there's some amendment or something, but right, it's um, yeah, I mean there's there's so many committees, and when I first got down here, and I knew about the committees, but then you really start to spend time down, and you you realize kind of like what's the state affairs committee doing, and then mm-hmm. what's the judiciary committee doing, and what's the education committee doing, and right, and, and you kind of realize like some of the more to me it's like state affairs, judiciary, finance, those are kind of Maybe the, the bigger committees, I guess, are the ones that see a lot of things. Uh, I'd add resources in there. Re- resource, yeah, resources too, sure. Um, you know, that's a good point. You know, uh, um, you know, some of sometimes some of those other committees kind of rise up depending on the year. I mean, like this year, education committee is huge because everybody's talking education. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one that kind of goes up and down a little. And bit. Labor and commerce too. They're the, in the Senate side. The pension. Yeah, that's kind of another obscure. You don't. I mean, they have they have meetings, they have bills, but. In other years, you don't really hear as much about labor and commerce. Right, yeah. And I, I, and I think this is something that kind of escapes the some of the public. Sometimes I wish people realized this more, is that really you come down to the legislature, 80 90% of the work that gets done here, it happens in the committees. What you see on the floor, you know. That's, that's, the, per, that's yeah. the performance. Sometimes it's performance. Sometimes it's, it's you know, just, just tweaking things at the last minute, you know, that's popped up. But, I mean, the vast majority of, of what happens that matters, it, it, it's not on the floor. It's in the committees. So, okay, so now you gave a speech on Wednesday. And I actually thought it was, you made some, some good points um, that, were, that were fair because mm-hmm. a lot of what the, the pay raise situation, and for the folks listening, I've, I've been covering this, but they had this kind of Soviet sham committee they put together. They, you know, the one guy got a job in the Dunleavy administration. He quit, and the other guy, resi- Kurt Olson, resigned, and mm-hmm. the three others were summarily dismissed, and then they... On a day before the meeting's notice, they put in five new people and they have a 15-minute meeting and it was kind of like, you know, just reminded me of like the Soviet apparatchiks are put in place to do the work. <laughs> Very loyal to the party. Yeah, I, you know, I had no idea what was going on there. Uh, um, you know, I saw that they had, had all gotten uh, switched out on that Tuesday and um, uh, one of them was somebody I knew and so I called him Wednesday morning and I said, hey, you know, if you guys are going to be debating the pay around here, I mean, that's that's fair. You, you know one of the old people or the new people? One of the new people. Oh, probably Jomo, I bet. Yep. Because Fairbanks guy, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know I know Jomo a little bit. And so he used I, to be a staffer, someone told me, and yeah, a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, he's been around a while. He's been, he's bounced around a lot. Um, you know, he's with the Chamber of Commerce for a while now. He's you probably know Miles Baker, too. He's, he's, he's been around. I didn't know Miles until I got here um, and stuff, but... Um, yeah, so I, I knew Jomo a little bit, and so I said, you know, hey, Jomo, I heard you got put on this committee... Um, you know, as somebody with a little bit different perspective, um, as a, as a lawmaker, you know, here's my thoughts on kind of, you know, how I, I view our pay and, and what we need, what we don't need. And he said, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. That's, you know, that's a, a different perspective on it. And, you know, I thought we had a good conversation and I figured, oh, okay, we you know they're, they're going to go debate. You know, I heard they had a meeting scheduled and I figured, oh, they'll debate this stuff for a couple hours. Maybe they'll come back the next <laughs> it day. It was a 15 minute, they had elected chair, waive the meeting notice requirement, Pass the pay increase for legis- legislators. Yeah, fifteen minutes. Yeah, unanimous. exactly. And I, I very, I, very I, Soviet. <laughs> I heard about that afterwards, and it's like, oh, it's making my head spin. What, what the heck? And, is going and, on? and I'm somebody who said, I think I've told you this before. I've, I've told anybody for many, many years, and I've run for the legislature, and I know 
people who haven't run for the legislature because of the pay. I think they should pay, pay them more money. The pay hasn't gone up for a decade or more. Mm-hmm. Um, there's inflation already. So the old pay, it's not even worth what it was worth at the time, mm-hmm. the 50000 There's some per diem. But I mean, the per diem, I mean, you have to, it's expensive to be here. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just something you need uh, unless you pay more. But I, it, it's like paying more, I believe, is necessary. Mm-hmm. But but doing the way they did it was just like so strange. I mean, so bizarre, you yeah. know, so so. There's no public process when you notice a meeting for two days later, right. wipe out the whole committee, put on put on these new <laughs> apparatchiks. It's a, it was it was a goofy setup, and I don't I don't know what was behind the reasoning for that. Really, I mean, I, I see what the product is, obviously, but I, well, I think it's pretty yeah. clear that the, so the original pay package, which these guys can do mm-hmm. a, a pay report once a year, they're allowed to do it once per year. Mm-hmm. Was was a raise for the governor, raise for lieutenant governor, raise for the department heads, which I actually agree with too because they haven't. Mm-hmm. The, the wages haven't gone up for, for, you know, not even if you're in a regular job and you're, you know, if most places you work, you just do a two or 3% per year. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just doing your job right. because for inflation, right. These haven't gone up at all. Right. But, but it got rejected by you guys unanimously by, by the house and the Senate. Yep. Because there was, I think I'll, some, I'll note I was gone that day, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure you would. Yeah. It was 19, it was 40, 0, 19. So you were the one. I was the one out. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was uh, unfortunately out of town that day. I was actually uh, in Seattle. I had to take my daughter down for a medical appointment. Um, but um, yeah, I was. I was out that day. Um, I I knew what was a little bit of what was going to happen because um, uh, Stevens had, had told us, you know, we're going to move to reject this. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. And and I agree. I think the commissioners probably do need to raise because what what they're looking at is if you've got the skills I mean, uh, to be a commissioner. I mean, you could probably you could easily make two or three times what they're paying you here the, in the private the sector. Statutory rate right now for commissioners is one forty one mm-hmm. per year. The, the raise goes to one sixty eight. Right, but if you're, I mean, some of these departments are, I mean, they're multi billion dollar education, has transportation. You know, they're huge departments. Right, right. Um, and it, like you said, if you're somebody who can, is qualified to run those, then sometimes they aren't always. I mean, <laughs> they're okay. politi- political, but That's for the most part, for the, for the most part, they're qualified people that know how to run these things. I mean, you could go work, you know, for for a company. With a, with a much smaller budget that, that get paid right. more money because that's you pay for talent so yeah absolutely and it's a matter that's why that's why I think we should for a long time so we should raise a pay for legislators because of the the pool of people mm-hmm. like somebody like you a younger family job mm-hmm. you know you're an anomaly here I am I am now, this year there's been a few more there's Ruffridge Sumner um, Fields has been around you know there's been mm-hmm. a few more but even out of sixty right we're, we're talking about not not it's a the minority. Yeah, and, no, and this year it's more than more than in the past. I mean, if you look around at the legislature in general, and you know it's been this way for a while, is is you kind of find yourself with two main groups. One is kind of older folks that are either retired or they're you know they've got you know independently wealthy. They've got some sort of business they can turn over to a manager, or they've got a, a, a spouse that you know makes a good chunk of money that that can support them. And so you know the pay is you know kind of ancillary in some ways, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and then on the other end, you get guys that are, you know, very young, you know, fresh out of college, you know, the JKT type kind of that, you know, they're very on fire, interested in politics. They run for office. They win. That's great. But no, no family. So no, no kids. No, no, no. Generally, yeah. Pressure to, you know, take, you know, put, you know, feed the kids, put the kids in school. Right, right. But, you know, then the downside to that is you don't have a whole lot of life experience yet either. Um, and so you end up with kind of this very polarized you know, set of people, you know, one in their, some set in their sixties and some in their twenties and, and not a whole lot in the middle like me. 
Um, and I mean, I, I'm a believer that a, a legislature should probably have a, a pretty big diversity of, of backgrounds and viewpoints and, and areas of expertise. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to see a legislature full of, of, you know, lawyers. I don't want to see a legislature full of accountants. You know, I want to see, you know, a broad mix uh, of things, even though you need a couple of lawyers, a couple of accountants, you know, uh, you know, so that you have. So I mean, it, it, it should, you know, nothing's exact, but I mean, it should reflect um, somewhat the pop, you know, the pop, you know, the, the state right. population. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you, you should realize that, that, you know, your legislature is, if you're going to represent the people, really, you should have kind of a rough approximation there. So, so in your situation, you're, you have, you're a truck driver, you do the haul mm-hmm. road, which by the way, we've talked about me maybe going along if that's a you know, mm-hmm. possibility. I, yep. Yep. I'm, uh, I'm looking, I'm looking at, uh, going back to work about around the first of June or so. I figure, no, I'll no, I, I can't. Take, I can't drive this baby, can I? Uh, afraid not. No, no, they uh, they frown on that. This is a big one. Too. This isn't. This is a big rig. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we're we're talking a full thing. You know, loaded. You're looking at a hundred thousand pounds, and and uh, so you know, you get to be in the passenger seat, especially because there's a camera in there watching everything we do. Um, I'm, I'm navigator. <laughs> you 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 can be well. We'll we'll call it that. But when there's <laughs> one road and nowhere to turn off, <laughs> oh, I'd be really I'd be a really good navigator. It's like <laughs> goes straight. Goes, keep going this way. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, so, but, so you now, because of your job, you can't work now. Right. Uh, Cause you're here. Mm-hmm. And in the speech you gave, you, you talked about a, a restructuring because when you're here, you're not getting a paycheck mm-hmm. from that job. But um, I mean, do you think there should be, I mean, I, I really strongly think there should be a pay raise. I mean, I agree with the raise. I don't necessarily agree with the process, but I mean, the, cause the, you have a couple of kids, you have a family, right? I got you five. Have, you have five kids. I have five kids. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, um, I can't even fathom I, that. Oh I got, boy, I got three girls, two boys at home with my wife, and I mean the the number, the pay number is something I think we're always going to argue over. There's there's no you know magic bullet figure that part out. Um, you know the way I look at it is what do I need in order to um, in order to to do the legislative job? What do I need? Ultimately, what I need is two things. I need enough money to be able to pay for two households effectively, because I got one here and one at home. And two, I need enough money to replace what I am not making at my other job while I'm here. And put those two together. For me personally, I know they tell you never talk about your salary, but for me personally... Well, but for, I mean, for all you guys, it's all public. I mean, you have, you have to oh, yeah. list it. Well, ranges, but for the most part, it's pretty clear what people are making. Right, right. And, and you know, for me personally, you take... What I, you know, the legislator salary, which is year round, you take the per diem, subtract out uh, my living expenses down here, and I'm making approximately what I would be making at my other job if I wasn't in the legislature. And, you know, it's within, you know, five ten thousand dollars $10,000 or something kind of like that for the year. Um, the weird part about it to me is that because I've got that legislative salary year round, I actually make more money in September, October, November than I do in February, March, April. Yeah, because you're getting your salary, legislative salary, and your and your truck driving salary. Correct, right. And so for me, it's like, look, if you want to make my life a little easier on the financial side, front load it. Get me, get me paid, you know, during the time that I'm here from, you know, January to May. And I don't need a legislative salary in, you know, the second half of the year because I have a good job. And if I wasn't in the legislature, that's what I'd be living on anyway, right? So, you know, well, why, the, why are you paying? The other that? problem arises, and I don't think you've been here for, there, there maybe it was one, 
but there's these special sessions, mm-hmm. which, which, you know, in 2019, that was like, mm-hmm. they were, I was here. I mean, I ended up having to basically come back and forth because the hotels were so fucking expensive. I mean, mm-hmm. it went from like 12, 50 or $1,300 a month, to like $200 a night, right? 250 a night. Um, but that was all, that was the whole thing with the vetoes and the budget and all the mm-hmm. thing, you know? So, um, that, that makes it another complication is, is, is if you do have a job and you say, okay, most, I think it's going to be hard pressed to find a company unless some of them might like a Senator. Hey, we got to, depending on the industry, but even then I need three or four months off. That's, that's a tough sell in general. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, now I need six months off. Right. Because we're going to have to be in Juno for, because we can't figure this out. Right. And I mean, you know, if you, if you, you know, that's something else that, that people have brought up with, especially with the per diem is, is like, oh, well, we're paying them in, and encouraging them to stay in special session because we give them all this per diem money down there. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that money goes away real quick. Uh, a lot of it does. Yes, this is true. Um, you know, but I'm thinking to myself, well, if you front load your pay so that you're not getting anything extra from the state and you're now in, let's say August, cause we had an August special session when I was here my first year, you know, if, if in August you're not getting your legislator pay and you're missing your job, well, that's, a heck of a lot of incentive to get in here and get the job done in the main session and go home, you know? So, I mean, it, that there's another consideration, mm-hmm. um, you know? So, I mean, th- there's, there's all these weird incentives that come in with the legislator pay. And, you know, one of my biggest complaints about this whole process over the last couple of years, I know it's been going on a lot longer than I've been here, but one of my biggest complaints is I don't think that they're really having that full um, argument about, Oh, well, what does each of these different concepts lead to in terms of incentives for legislators? Well, I mean, that's supposed to be the compensation commission, but the old one, they, you know, for several months or maybe all year, they looked at these different things and they just decided to not, not do the legislate legislators right. pay. And then this whole thing happened, but not now there's a lot of talk now about this statute and this commission and how it's supposed to work. And mm-hmm. I, mean, I have a feeling there's going to be some, some restructuring of, of maybe this, but I mean, I think it's fair to have a commission because mm-hmm. it's the, the, the thing you really want to avoid is, is talking is you guys doing this yourselves. Right. Yes. Us voting on our own pay. That's always going to look bad. It doesn't matter but, if what we're doing is the right thing or not. It's always going to look bad. In the Congress in the U S Congress, it's, it's, they have a, I think much better uh, system. Mm-hmm. They can, they do their pay, but it doesn't go into effect till the next Congress. Right. So they can't vote themselves a raise. Mm-hmm. They can vote a raise, but, it, you know, not a lot of them are going to come back, Some, but some won't. And if it's too crazy, people are going to, you know, re- react. You know, and I've heard a couple of people bring that up over the last few weeks here as we've been discussing the pay issue and stuff. To me, I don't, it makes the optics a little bit better, but in substance, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. It, you know, instead of getting a raise in 2024, I'm going to get a raise in 2025 instead. I mean, Okay, could I potentially lose my seat? I could potentially, but I mean, we got a lot of safe seats. You know, if you just look at the the redistricting yeah. board, I know you looked at it last year after the. Oh yeah, I was watching out. that baby real close. Right, you know, I mean, there's not a lot of really competitive seats around here. So I mean, you know, I, I was talking to somebody yesterday. I was joking. You know, Trump said he could kill somebody in Fifth Avenue, and mm-hmm. some of these folks, I mean, they could they could get involved in some serious felonies, and <laughs> they ain't going. I mean, Bert Stedman, Lyman Hoffman. They ain't losing, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, those are those are a couple of guys that, as long as they want the seat, they're probably not going anywhere. Um, you know, and you know, you can look at, at you know my seat is um, you know what kind of, of Your, yours was you won by eleven votes in twenty twenty right in the uh, fourteen the, the primary fourteen in the primary, but then look at what happened after redistricting. I went from a district that was leaning somewhat Republican, but not hugely so, to a these 
uh, a very Republican district now. And I yeah, because they restructured, they 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 moved Fairbanks around a bit, and then right. so 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 the the big loser there was Grier Hopkins, right? Because he went from a kind of purple, you know, could go either way to a to a Trump plus twenty, you know, type deal, right? Um, so I, you you have you have Prox and who Tomaszewski, Tomaszewski, yeah. So yeah, Tomaszewski, that, that's right. That was the, mm-hmm. the the so you benefited from what happened to the to. Hurt Grier hurt helped you. I mean, Correct. made your district a little more um, easier for you. It made it a lot easier for me. I mean, I just I just came through with a sixty three percent. Who did you? I'm trying to win. think. There was three people in your race. Mm-hmm. You and John Bennett and Arthur Shirkov. And, and they didn't really do. I mean, I remember covering the. We didn't. They didn't do much. Right. I think one of the guys we couldn't even find their picture for our election coverage. <laughs> so so Arthur didn't do a whole lot. Um, he got he's he was AIP nice guy. He got like. Five six percent of the vote, um, and I talked to him uh, when he first declared, and he said, "Yeah, I, I like you. I like what you're doing, but I'm doing this uh, to to raise the profile of the AIP." I'm like, "Oh, all right, fine. I guess I can't really argue with <laughs> see, that." See you, out th- see you out there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The other guy didn't do anything, right? Not a whole lot. No, I mean, he raised some money. He actually raised more money than I did this time around. Um, but it, you know, it, it was still wasn't a lot. Um, I. I think it was a one of these cases of we're going to put a placeholder candidate in in case, you know, something happens. In case Rob goes totally off the rails. You know, or I die in a truck accident or something like this, you know. And, and um, you know, so I, I get that. Um, it, was, it was actually very interesting. Um, he had a, a habit of a lot of the different forums we showed up at. He said a lot of things that I would have thought were calculated to piss off whatever the audience was. Um, you know, whether it was the Chamber of Commerce, the NAACP, or, you know, it's like, it's like he, he, he was almost trying to piss off every audience. He was sometimes. Republican, right? No, he, no, he was, uh, he was no. technically independent. If you looked at all of his financials and everything, that was the Democrat Party supporting him. How about, no, did you come, did you interact much with the guy, um, one of the guys running against Kawasaki, the guy with the full, the full fucking body mask or whatever, what was his name? Uh, uh, Oh, uh, shoot. Alex something. I forget his last name. Joffrey. Oh, yep. That was it. Yeah, because I, I remember thinking like King Joffrey, Joffrey or whatever, and, you yeah. know, coming to America. But, but, because it's a similar name, but he was like, he was one of these chamber deals. And I mean, the guy was way out there anyways. I saw mm-hmm. some videos where I was like, holy shit, this guy's out there. Right. But he had like a full, um, I don't know, like a sci fi type body encapsulated, <laughs> like a COVID. You know, it was. I mean, did you see this? I, I saw him a few times. Yeah, no, he's. I mean, he's out there. You know, basically wearing a N95 mask and then a gas mask on top of it or some <laughs> kind of thing. And it's like, and you know, and a face shield and and uh, and I don't know what was going on. He, he walked with a cane too, which uh, you know, I don't mean to pick on people walking with canes, but uh, you know, that just kind of accentuated it all. Yeah, no, I saw a picture and I was like, I mean, he was wearing a full like. <clears throat> He liked to dress in black too, for some odd reason. That that uh, so 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 he, he he kind of screwed it up for, um, what's his name for Matherly? Matherly, Jim Matherly, because he was running because mm-hmm. that was that district was actually winnable by Republican. But oh yeah, um, Scott, you know, very hard worker, and he mm-hmm. beat Pete Kelly back in twenty eighteen. Right. Um, but that was another race actually where Scott didn't win. We were talking earlier about the races that went to the. Ranked choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Scott was close, but... Yeah, he was like 48 or something after election night. I mean, yeah. That, that Joffrey guy close. got four or five points, I think, didn't he? I forget the numbers. Yeah, he, he did. Was, he did. He peeled off some, some votes. 
Yeah, it it was a it was a very weird situation. If he hadn't been there, I don't know which way it would have gone. It was, I mean, it was it was going to be down to the wire anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was. Very so good so spot. You, you didn't have to. I mean, you, you knew you were in a you know good spot. You didn't have yeah. to. Um, and we talked about this last time you were on, which is amazing. You didn't really campaign much in twenty twenty. I mean, you did a little bit. You had, but you didn't raise that much money. You only raised like. So like less than ten grand in twenty twenty, I campaigned my ass off. But you're right; I didn't raise a whole lot of money for the primary. For the general, I did. That was when you had the Marna Sanford situation, Correct. and the other guy Evan Eads, who ended mm-hmm. up dropping out after the deadline. Right. But he was really going hard before his signs were everywhere. We, we came up there. Mm-hmm. Remember, mm-hmm. we did your ra- right covered your race, and there was like Evan Eads signs everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he was uh, he was working he was working hard. He he was he was doing the work for it. Um, I think. I mean, in Evan's case, he was, he was kind of in a weird spot because he, he kind of, I think he, uh, the, the feeling I got talking to him is he kind of got caught in between two big machines, kind of, you know, between the Republican Party helping me out on the one side and the Democrat Party helping Marna out on the other side. Mm. And he's kind of stuck in the middle with no party and, you know, no machine behind him. I mean, his entire campaign was basically self-financed. Um, and I think he just kind of got squeezed out there it was it was very interesting talking to him in june versus talking to him in in october yeah yeah no he was he was gung-ho when we were up there right and then i think i think you're right he realized look i'm, I'm just stuck in the middle here right. so do you not that you really because you just kind of won outright but what do you think about this new open primary rank choice deal you know i'm 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 not a fan of it and i the funny part about it is you sell rank choice voting on certain things, because I mean, rank choice as a concept has been around for a while, and it's used in in a number of cities and and stuff like that. And you know, so we kind of know how rank choice voting works, more or less. Um, the funny thing is that once you pair it up with the jungle primary, though, you actually end up undoing like ninety percent of what rank choice voting does. So you sell sell this as this is rank choice voting. Here's all the great things that rank choice voting does, and then you undo it with the jungle primary. Which to me is very, very backwards when you start looking at it, you know. Well, but and I, I can see what you're saying, but the other point is like they tried this in New York for the mayoral race mm-hmm. a few years ago, and they had like you're ranking like 15 people, which is right. That's kind of too complicated, but only a handful, only actually only one race in Fairbanks had more than four people. Mm-hmm. Legis- legislative race, right? That's right. the Carrick race, right? And then that one guy dropped out or didn't. I mean that one of the uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, the guy who actually did pretty well dropped out. Tim. Tim Parker. Tim Parker. Yeah, he came but, in uh, second or third on on primary night, and then he dropped out. But every every other legislative race had four or a few people. I mean, right. shit, more than like half. I got, I, got, I got the numbers. I I did a big analysis here, but I mean, a huge amount of them only had one or two people. Right. And then some of the ones with three people. Um, I think it was twelve races out of fifty nine came down to where the rank rank choice part actually mattered. Mattered. Right. The other ones, it, it, people just, it was no, no. I mean, I think seven people were unopposed. You had a, hand, a whole bunch more that were just two people where their opponent mm-hmm. was kind of like Stedman's opponent, for example, you know, was, mm. was not going to do it, you know, just nothing there. Right. Then you had the three-way, like Stevens won. He was in a th- three-way race. He won outright. Right, right. Um, you you won outright in your th- three-way race. Mm-hmm. I did. You know, to me, the interesting races around the state as with regard to that stuff was the races where you had multiple people from the same party running. You know, Stevens was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had that. Uh, yeah, Stevens had three Republicans. Right. You know, you look at that that one house race in uh, in the Matsu, the, um, the the empty house district there that had four Republicans in it. That was a Jesse Sumner. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That would that one was weird to me because you had one guy win in the primary. Who now works? Who now works for Sumner? <laughs> right. Yes. Exactly. Menard. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know so 
you know, that was a weird one because it's like, oh, what flipped in there, you know, between the primary and the general? Um, now, now, now where, where I think what you said earlier makes some more sense or could be more applied as these statewide races. Mm-hmm, right. You know, 20-whatever, 40 people in the first round for the House race with Don Young, and then <laughs> Lisa's race had, you know, 20-some people. The governor's had 10 people. Right. Um, so so that did... This is actually a pretty good book I think you'd, you'd like called um, The Politics Industry. Mm. And it's by this lady, Catherine Gell and Michael Porter. And that, this is kind of like the blueprint for this system, this oh, okay. single primary. Yeah, I have heard of that one. I'll have to look at open it. Open primary, ranked choice. And mm-hmm. they were... They were, they were um, Wrote about other things too in politics right. and kind of what's wrong with politics, but it, that, that's where this kind of concept came from. Right, right, okay, yeah. They, they, they kind I'll of go have to get into that from you later because I used to be a big fan and I still kind of like it, but I can see I can see why people don't like it. I love the idea of jam jam it all up in one primary and have a top two runoff. Yeah, that's what California does. You know, I, I like that, mm-hmm. but then a lot of people don't like it both sides because you might get two Democrats, two Republicans, depending mm-hmm. on the district. You might not even have a competitive. And then if something happens, like you said, something crazy happens, and you're stuck with maybe a, a, a Looney Tune, right? Right. Yeah. You know. If, yeah. If one of your, you know, there's some October surprise with with one of your two candidates, and all of a sudden, you know, there's no way to replace them, and and things like that, and it's, it, yeah, it, it it can go off the rails pretty quickly in in a few cases. So I mean, I, I don't. I mean, there was some talk about legislation. I mean, that's. I just thought about this. They haven't even. This hasn't even come up at all. This like session. <laughs> In, in the legislature, I know there's a group. There's a group talking mm-hmm. about getting signatures, and that could be a possibility. But even then, that's hard. I mean, you have to. It's expensive to get the signatures, and then once you get them, the other the other group who initially, you know, mm-hmm. supported, they aren't going away. Right. So then, then it's a campaign of convincing the. the and we're going to have and their lawsuits. And and we're, no matter what happens, we're going to have one more round of this thing because it, it wouldn't right. be on the ballot till next year. So right, there'll be one more. I think I think the having the campaign out there is part of the reason that it hasn't been pushed as much within the legislature. Um, I mean, the, the Senate said right at the outset, "Yeah, we're not touching ranked choice voting. Yeah. We're going to leave it." The House side, you know, you've got some people in there. You got a, had a couple of bills in put in to to repeal it, but you're right, it hasn't it hasn't generated a whole you're, lot of you're, heat. You're, you're a, are you a four year seat? I am. So you're, yeah, you're one of the four. Yeah, so you're. You're locked. You're like either pay raise, buddy. You're locked <laughs> in, man. Good for you. Hey, I, I, my life is easy until twenty. So, so what, what is your? I mean, your job. I mean, it's it's kind of seasonal, anyways. Or you could work year round. No, actually, well, so I do work year round, but actually, the the um, January through April is actually the busiest season up there. Um, so I'm actually losing the busiest time of the year while I'm down here in June. You get paid more because you're working like twelve, like you're working long long shifts, or so, I mean, you get paid by the run. You get paid by the mile, really, technically. Um, and it's just, you know, am I waiting another day to get another run or am I waiting, you know, so four what, what, hours? Is, is your, is your job, are they cool? It's like, okay, you're a Senator. Well, okay, well, we, we understand. Well, they're, they're really cool with it. So, so I'm actually really lucky with the way that my employer operates. So a lot of trucking companies, you sign up with them and they say, all right, well, here's your route. Here's what you're going to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, every week or something like that, you know? And because uh, they, they've got, you know, these big long-term contracts and this is just what they do. And, you know, they've kind of got these set schedules most of the time. And, and other companies that I've worked for, you know, that's kind of how it's worked, uh, you know, or something similar to that. But uh, our, our company, the way that we work, um, we tend to do everything really last minute. And so my, my dispatcher, you know, gets phone calls all day and he gets the end of the day and he says, all right, I've got, um, I got 14 loads going out tomorrow. I got 16 drivers available. All right, first 14 guys on the board, you guys get a load tomorrow. 
And so because they do everything last minute like that, it's really easy for me to call them and say, hey, um, I got a doctor's appointment on Friday. I need the day off. Or, hey, I'm going on vacation here in a, uh, next week. Or, hey, I'm going to be gone for four and a half months in Juneau. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, hey, cool. No worries. So, what, what, I mean, I assume you have your you know, go to the office. You, you see the guys and truck drivers. I mean, mm -hmm. are they like, Dan, you're a senator? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> they, all, they all know, I'm, I assume, right at this point? Oh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, just about everybody does. Um, I assume I'll go back this year. and they'll Do they be ever give you shit like, oh, fancy senator? Oh, a lot of, all the time, all the time, man. Yeah, all the time. No, I, I, I'll, you know, we'll be talking on the radio going down the road, and they're like, hey, senator, how you doing? I'm like, shit, why'd you have to do that to me? <laughs> so, no, they, they give me crap. And, you know, every every now and then, you know, we talk serious politics. You know, um, I've, I've got a guy that, a um, uh, fellow truck driver who's, who's um he used to work for a bunch of tow, a couple of towing companies, and he's got a lot of friends in that industry. And I mean, that's a dangerous industry. They're, they're always worried about getting run over while they're out there doing their jobs. And you, you know, you or shot. I mean, some people get really mad. You know, those videos with people. Well, if you're doing the repos, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, but um, you know, you had that that one uh, incident in Anchorage a couple of years ago where the the guy got uh, run oh, over. Oh yeah, right. Yep. You know, so um, you know that that's a dangerous industry, and he's trying to talk to me about uh, you know, a couple of things that we can try to do to to help make their jobs a little safer. So, I mean, we, we, you know, we occasionally talk some serious politics are, too, but are any of your coworkers, your constituents, some of them? Yeah. He is one of them. <laughs> um, yeah. I got a few. That's a great access to the Senator right there. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, actually. Um, actually the uh, company owner is a constituent too. Um, but uh, we, we largely, I try to keep the politics out of the job uh, by and large. I figure, you know, my, what, what I say out here, you know, shouldn't have any effect on, on, you know, how their business is run and vice versa. And when you're working, you're just by yourself and, unless you bring somebody with you, but you're just working by yourself. Um, vast majority of the time. Yeah. Uh, occasionally, you know, it, occasionally they put us on a job where it's like, Oh, okay. We got three trucks that are hauling this stuff out to this, this place. You know, you're all going to load and travel together. But by and large, it's, yeah, I'm, it's just me out there and, you know, talk to the guys that I pass going the other direction and stuff like that. But, yeah, me me and the truck and uh, and my podcasts and, and audio books and, you know, that's my life. Well, I can't wait till uh, the summer. I really, I'm really looking forward to, to, to doing this thing. I've, I've been to the slope. I used to work in oil and gas for a little bit, so I'd mm -hmm. go up to, like, I've been to Badami and I've been to Prudo and I've been to some of these places, mm -hmm. but, you know, briefly, but always flying. So I've never... Right. I think I've driven maybe a little bit past Fairbanks, but not not that far. Yeah, no, it's a it's a very different experience uh, up there. I mean, so what you saw from Prudhoe, um, that's pretty close to what it looks like once you get north of Attigan Pass. You know, it's it's a lot of it's very flat. You know, of course, there's no trees. Uh, you know, you get the caribou herds running around, things like that. Um, you get south of of Attigan Pass though, from from Attigan to the Yukon River, especially. Uh, you know, a lot of hills, mountains. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of steep hills um in in especially in the wintertime and uh you know you get wildlife running all over the place and you get some tundra some spots some forests some spots you ever uh, like hit a hit a caribou or uh i have never hit a caribou i've come close a couple of times i have hit uh four moose over the years um and i've killed more birds than i want to count uh i, don't I hate that when you're <laughs> driving and the bird comes in and i you know i hit you, you can kind of see it, then it smacks the windshield. You're like, oh man! I had, I had. I, I always kind of assume they're okay. I just feel like yeah, I just got like a little bruise. It's probably okay, but I think it's probably dead. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty dead. You know, what I just saw on, on Twitter. It was an anniversary. I think it was 20 years ago. It was the 
the big unit, Randy Johnson, mm-hmm. oh. when, he, when he exploded the bird. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, when he hit that. I think today is the anniversary of that. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I've seen, I, I remember seeing the footage of that. That was nutty. Yeah. So, so I had one incident. This was almost two years ago. Um, I was going north one night, and this was, uh, it was like, uh, I don't know, late September or something. So, I mean, it was getting dark at night and stuff. And I'm, I'm heading north, and it's like two in the morning. And I'm about like an hour and a half out of Prudhoe. I'm just just driving down the road. You know, everything's pretty quiet. Nothing to worry about. And I come around a corner and these three stupid ptarmigan take off out of the ditch flying at me. I don't know why. If they'd stayed in the ditch, they would have been fine. Two of them flew over the truck. The other one landed basically right at the top dead center of the windshield. And I just hear it go thunk and, you know, flop up and over the cab and, Go, all right, whatever, you know. And Maybe it was okay. <laughs> no, pretty much sure it wasn't. Pretty sure it wasn't. And uh, so I get up to Prudhoe, and I go to bed, and I get up the next day, and it's like noon or something, and I, you know, now it's light out, and so I can take a look at my truck, and, yeah, I got feathers and bird guts right up there, you know, right above my windshield. I went, eh, crap, you know, because it was a brand-new truck. that I'd, I'd had the truck, like, two weeks, and it was fresh out of the fresh out of the factory. It had, you know, a couple thousand miles on it and uh, when, when I got it. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, we just ruined the finish on the brand new truck, but whatever. All right, stupid suicidal ptarmigan. Yeah, it is what it is. When I was in high school, I have this very vivid memory. We were going skiing. Mm-hmm. It was me and like four friends were in my car, and we like leave at like seven, you know, six in the morning because mm-hmm. we're, in, we're in Albuquerque. We're going up to Colorado. It's like a three hour drive. Sure. Ski all day, come back. I pick up my buddy. Um, there's two of us in the car. I pick up the, th- the fourth guy. Mm-hmm. We're driving down the road, and it's like, you know, dusk or dawn, and this. Fucking huge rabbit runs. I mean, it's a big rabbit runs across the way, and I hit it, and it, it was like a it was like a bump, and, and then um, it kind of got kicked up a little bit, and, the, and, I, and I was like, oh my god, I was like, oh my god, I was like, they were like, god damn, dude, you killed that thing, and I said, I was like seventeen, I said, no, 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 guys, I, I th- no, it's, it's, I think it just got like, like, like roughed up. I think it's fine. They were like, it is not <laughs> fine, dude. It is dead. I, I felt was, so bad because it was a pretty big rabbit. I was like, no, no, no. I think he's. I think. He, I think he just got like. I think he just got bruised a little bit. So it was about 2007, I think. I was on my way down to um, Denali Park. So this is back when I was driving tour bus, and um, there were three of us that had left Fairbanks at like five in the morning. We were going down to Denali Park. We were going to pick up a group of tourists and, and bring them back to Fairbanks and have lunch. And so we're we're headed down there, and we're just a little ways south of Nana, and the sun's coming up. And it's looking like a beautiful day. And I am the second of the three in this line. And so the first one goes around this corner. And there's a piece of um, there's a piece of roadkill just on the other side of the yellow line. And there was a raven that was chewing on the roadkill. So this bus goes around the corner. And, you know, raven flies off, of course. So I'm, you know, 1,000, 1,500 feet behind, whatever. And uh, Raven turns around and he's coming back to the roadkill. And right before he gets there, he spots me coming. And so instead of stopping and turning back around, apparently he decided to like throw the jets on and try to dive in front of me before I got there. Didn't quite make it. And I could kind of hear him going, ting, 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 rolling around in the undercarriage. And I'm like, and I just kind of saw him continuing to roll in the, in the mirror afterwards. And I'm like, yeah, he's dead. Oh, well. That's the one where I'd be like, I think he's okay. Cause, it, cause you really don't know. <laughs> you gotta be a little more, a little more realistic here, Jeff, you know? All right. Well, so Rob Myers, but it's always good having you on the podcast. And, uh, I think we talked about before, you know, these, these fortunes do change. So they do, they do. We'll, we'll see yeah. what happens, I guess next, uh, 
Next legislature, too. Yeah, yeah, next year, next legislature. Yeah, yeah. Think, things change on a dime. We'll have to have you on again because we could, I mean, that's a whole other topic talking about the permanent fund. I mean, that we, I've kind of, I'm actually working on an article about the, the, the full dividend is dead. I mean, it's just nobody's really, even the governor's kind of off of it. So it's now this 50 50s mm-hmm. in the House, but the Senate's even lower. So it's just, I mean, in the since you've been here, the conversations have, drastically changed on this dividend yeah i mean you just watch what happens with oil prices over the last couple of years you know first we have got you know my, my first year before we got down here we were talking about how you know we've got so little money because the oil prices had bottomed out that even if you kill the entire dividend we still have a deficit yeah you know then the following year it turned into you know we've got more money than we know what to do with you know now we're headed back the other direction and yeah, I mean, this this is to me is in, indicative of just how screwed up our situation is. The dividend, in my opinion, in a lot of ways, is a symptom. It's not the problem. And until we fix, you know, the whole situation, then I mean, the dividend is going to be something that's a lightning rod that's important to a lot of people. But you know, mm-hmm. it's only one piece of the conversation. I'm actually, as we speak, working on a satire article. <laughs> uh, Governor Dunleavy and Alaska legislature send letter to Vladimir Putin requesting expanded European invasion. <laughs> so it's, it's the governor in, in the satire article. It's the governor and 59 of 60 legislators. Eastman's not part of the letter. He's, <laughs> he's opting out. Well, while you're at it, why don't you include um, seeing if we can get Iran and Saudi Arabia to mix it up too? I mean, uh, Venezuela, the whole, look, guys, we need you to do some <laughs> brief operations in your countries. <laughs> just hike up prices 30 or 40 bucks for a few months. And we're all going to be, we're all going to be happy. I mean, that, that's, that's the thing is that, you know, it's part of the problem with, with having a government that's dependent on oil is, you know, Every, you know, everything that we do, whether or not we can fund education or, or you know, transportation infrastructure, stuff like that, you know, it's all dependent on what happens on in I mean, places what, thousands you know, of miles from here. This is what the, the they call in, in economics the resource curse, you know. the It's part of know, it. The petro state where it's like. That's great until it's not. And then it's like up and down. And, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's funny because we, we're aware of it. We all know it. But it doesn't really change. I mean, we. We saw this back in, you know, 20, for a long time, the price of oil up until 2013 mm-hmm. was a hundred bucks and everybody just said, okay, well, it's going to be a hundred bucks. And then, right. you know, and then a few years later it was 30 bucks. Right. And, you know, it was like all the savings got spent. Now we right. have, now we have, we're in a similar situation with very little savings. Right. You know, I mean, kind of the way I look at it is the way that our, our, our state's relationship with oil, at least from the, from the, the, the fiscal sense, in a lot of ways it's kind of like a, a guy's relationship with alcohol, you know, you, you get a little bit of it now and then. Oh, it's, it's, it's fine. You know, a little, little extra on the side, you know, not a big deal. You start to have it on a regular basis where that becomes the main thing. Oh, then we have a problem here. And take it away. Then we take it away. And then, oh, how do we fix this situation? Oh, well, we, we, you know, we, we give him a little bit more, you know, try to try to give the guy a shot to sober him up kind of thing, you know, get him out of the hangover. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole screwed up situation, man. That's a good analogy. I can almost see that being like a video. Like, this is Alaska. <laughs> this, this alcoholic person who's. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, you you think it through the way the 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 legislature's um, relationship with oil money. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it's it's really how it works. It's oh, I need my fix. I need my fix, and oh, it got taken. Well, we away. just saw today. You know, this bill got introduced by Senator Wilcott. The mm-hmm. the rules committee. You know, it's it's a big big oil tax kind of overhaul, and it just it's going to the finance committee and right. Um, there's talk of you know, a sales tax I mean, in the house. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. It's going to, it's going to be uh, it's interesting to see how this all plays out in the next few months. You know, something I was, I've been trying to talk to people about for the last couple of years since the first time I ran is, you know, we, we, 
we've had this pattern of how our government operates, how our economy operates since the seventies, you know, after, after oil got discovered on the slope. And, you know, I think one of the problems is that, you know, when everything tanked during the Walker years, you know, the first kind of big tank there, um, you know, we kind of said, well, kind of how do we keep the party going? And, you know, whether we talked about, you know, raising oil taxes or cutting the dividend or cutting services or whatever, in a lot of ways, we weren't really addressing the structural problems. We haven't, we didn't really address the fact that, you know, life has changed. Uh, the oil industry has changed. The fact that we're, you know, only drilling a quarter of what we were back in the 80s has changed. And, you know, the high oil prices could kind of mask some of that for a while. I mean, they, 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 they dealt with a, a bit of it, the SB26, the, mm-hmm. you know, the POMV deal, the, the, five percent of the mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was a shift to some extent but in some extent in my mind it was it was also a way of kind of keeping the same thing going it was how do we find another revenue source that we can make somebody from outside of the state pay for what we're doing you know instead of of oil companies paying for what we're doing now we're going to make the stock market pay for what we're doing kind of situation and in my mind it, in some ways it made the situation worse because before the, the way that our, our everything was set up down here is, is the state cares about what happens to the oil industry. state doesn't really have to care about what happens to anything else. state cares about what happens to the oil industry because that's where its money comes from. Now what's the state going to care about? state cares about the stock market. state doesn't have to care about anything that happens within the state as long as you can get yourself reelected. But to actually, have, actually create a good economy, actually create good, long-paying jobs, long-term fiscal stability, we don't have to care about any of that because all of our money is going to come from the stock market. Where are we going to, what are we going to do? We're going to focus on Wall Street. We're not going to focus on what happens within our state. And so to me, that's even more of a scary situation. Um, and in, in some ways, again, is, is kind of a continuation of the, old, of the old habit. You know, how do we keep spending a whole lot of money and make somebody else pay for it? And, you know, mm-hmm. now we're just on to the, you know, now we're just on to the next version of that. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, those are big questions. And I, like I said, I, I think everybody's aware of it. It frustrates me sometimes when we all know the problem. Mm-hmm. It's basically been the same problem for, I mean, the, the levers are the same levers. I mean, it's oil, it's, it's permanent fund, it's, uh, you know, it's income tax sale, whatever it is. Like these are the, these are, these are the spending. These are the levers. Right. They haven't changed at all. Right. Yeah. No, the, the options are still the same out there. I think what we've, what's happened is you've got two or maybe even three kind of competing visions about what a state should be, what the state's economy should look like, you know, how, how our government interacts with the economy, things like that. And um, the problem is that for 30, 40 years, we kind of had enough money for a while there to, you know, everybody could get a little piece and we didn't really well, have to fix the, you know, come to a, a full realization of, of actually what we were going to do. Now that's gone away and the money's gone away and you can't paper over the cracks. I, I had a really interesting conversation with somebody a few weeks ago who's been around a long time. They're, they're still around. They're, you know, lobbyists and they're, mm-hmm. I don't want to say, too, I don't want to out the person, but I mean, they, they've been around a long time sure. and, and they were formerly in the legislature and they said something kind of interesting. They said, you know, Oil's great. They love oil. I mean, they, they wouldn't want to switch it. Mm-hmm. But they said before oil, we had to pay for our own stuff. Right. And they were saying they felt like in some ways the results were better because people were invested. Right. And he was talking about education and just different things. And, right. And, there, and, and it was just kind of the, it wasn't, I wish it didn't happen, the oil, but mm-hmm. how it just impacted the psyche. And yeah. you know, a lot of people do say, I want the dividend. Right. They don't care about 
not everybody, but some people, I want the dividend. I don't care about anything else. Mm-hmm. And and then some people say, I want, you know, this project or that road or I don't mm-hmm. care about anything else. Right. And we have the money. Right. And But then at the same, like you, everybody focuses on their little things mm-hmm. they want or or sometimes they want to stop. Sure. Uh, projects, infrastructure, pro- whatever school, whatever it could be, you know, housing. Um, and then we just, we just kind of fight and we end up where we are now, you know? And, mm-hmm. and this person that was, they were telling me, you know, they said, they said back in, it was less people. It was, people were paying for what they had to pay for. Mm-hmm. And they felt like, you know, when you own something or when you feel like you have an ownership of something, you, like your house, you treat right. your house better you own than if you're renting it. Right, right. You know, when you don't have an Uncle Sugar to, you know, that's going to bail you out, you, you, you pay a lot closer to attention to getting the most bang for your buck, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, there's, that's a lot of the problem of the, the resource curse is all of a sudden you've got this huge amount of cash that, you know, effectively the government doesn't have to work for. It's, you know, free money in that sense. And what's it do? It just changes the way I mean, we, I, we interact. I, I, I've talked about this many times last year. They, in 2021, Governor Dunleavy had a press conference with, it was like 20 legislators, Mm-hmm. About the perm, the fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, I was and, there for that one. And you were there, and Mike Shower was there, and some big dividend voices. Were, P- Peter Machicki was there. Louis Stutz. It was bipartisan. It was a, a lot of the loud dividend, you know, folks. Were I think mm-hmm. Kevin McCabe might have been there. Mm-hmm. And and that was like, that was a big shift, right, from him to come off that and go to the fifty fifty, right. And then the the working legislative fiscal policy working group comes out, and they many many months later come out with their their they, they said fifty fifty, right. So for a year, everybody's saying 50-50. Right. And then we have, you know, a year later, March 2022, you know, Uncle Uncle Sugar, <laughs> Vladimir yeah. Putin make moves on, you know, and the price of oil jet skyrockets. Right, right. And yeah. then all of that work that had been done for a year of 50-50, and mm-hmm. actually we're back there right now, funny enough, went away, and, the, and, and they shoot the moon to, at one point it was 5,500. Yeah. It was, it was more than double. Right. And that was all because of, of the price of oil shot up. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, it's like, it's like you know, you, you open the mail and someone died and you have a million dollars. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it completely changes the way that people think. It completely changes the way that people and act. And it was an election year. Yep. Which, which comp- compounded it. Yeah, no, 100%. 100% accurate. So, well, anyway, Senator Myers, always good talking to you. I, I, you, you have the philosophy degree, so. I do. We can have these <laughs> nice philosophical discussions. Yeah, it gives me a a, a little bit a little bit different perspective. You're, you're kind of a unique guy: philosophy major, truck driver, senator. Mm-hmm. That could be that could be your book. How about uh, confused? Yes, I mean, <laughs> it's like philosophy major, truck driver, senator. Colon confused. The story of Rob Myers. <laughs> Life not, of Rob Myers. Not not far off. Not far off. Yeah. Somebody once told me a long time ago. I was joking. I said I should I should maybe write, write a book sometime. And I kind of said what should it be called. And they they said your book should be called the tragedy of the American condition. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. Okay, Senator Myers. Great talking to you. It's uh you here for the weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm here. Yep. I'm, uh, I think I'm thinking of, we're probably going to head home on Easter, but, uh, otherwise, yeah, I'm hanging okay, out. Well, I, I, I got to get you a little invitation, but tomorrow night, um, oh, the bowling. bowling, that's the Alaska political report, first annual capital city, uh, classic invitational. All righty. Yep. So we'd love to have you come by. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'll take a, I'll take a couple of free bowling games. I'm good for that. I, I, I'd invite the folks listening by the time I post this, it's going to be over. So probably, yeah. but we are doing cash prizes. 
I, so, you know, uh, that, all strike, all, we're going to take care of you. That's that's always a draw. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, get it, Senator Rob Myers. Always a pleasure talking to you. Really enjoyed it. We'll, we'll, we'll do it again. Oh, yeah, you bet, Jeff. Okay, folks, and if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.